Good morning, church. As always, it's a privilege and honor to be together in the, the house of the Lord today. As uh, we heard just a little bit ago in that Psalm uh, 16 from David, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. Because with Him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And um, those are really good verses, really, to lead us into this last chapter of Colossians today that we're looking at. So, if you would turn your Bibles with me to the fourth chapter of Colossians, whether that be your printed Bible or the app on your phone or a tablet. power of God's Word is not limited to uh, any certain way of reading it. Amen? You probably notice I prefer my, uh, my written Bible, which I usually use on Sunday mornings, but during the week, I do use the app on my phone quite a bit. So, um, before we read this, we are concluding today this uh, book of Colossians we've been looking at for the past month or so, and so I wanted to just share a little bit more of the context. We, we started with this, but we're, we're going to end today, so I'm going to revisit the context of the who, what, and where of this book. Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul. And he wrote it while he was under arrest, or house arrest, in Rome. And it was probably around 60 AD or so, uh, about the time he wrote the book of Ephesians, uh, scholars believe. But he wrote this letter to the church in Colossae. And he was writing to them to address some things that Epaphras, who had come to visit Paul in Rome, had told him about the church back home. Uh, And so Paul wrote this letter to them for Epaphras to take back, which addressed some of the religious relativism and maybe some secular philosophy that had started to seep into the lives of the believers there and even into the church. And so Paul, as we've heard in weeks past, he confronts some of those false doctrines and he affirms the sufficiency of Christ in our lives. And that's why I titled this series, Confidence in Christ. Because, you know, everything we need in life is found in Jesus. And in the good news of salvation. And in our eternal life. That we have through him. And of course also in our journey together as as the body of Christ. And so that's why this morning we're looking at what it truly means. And what it looks like to be a devoted follower. And so reading from Colossians 4 verse 2. Because we read verse 1 last Sunday. Beginning with verse 2 to the end of the chapter. This is what God's word says. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the message or the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Titicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. 
I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, Aristarchus, excuse me, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is also called Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God and mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea, Laodicea and Heriopolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and, at, and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archibus, see to it, that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Well, last Sunday um, in the message, I mentioned that all of us would probably have different opinions on various things in life and probably not to be, be able to come to an agreement on every single uh, situation or issue that comes up in the world. Football teams are obviously one of those examples, although uh, football, of course, is much less important than many of those other things that we often talk about. Um, I know Les Helmuth and probably many others in here are Chicago Bears fans. I know Delmer Schrock is a Green Bay Packers fan. I would imagine there are some Indianapolis Colts fans in here. I'm a Denver Broncos fan. And are there any other teams represented out there? Cardinals. Cardinals? I knew Christopher was going to say that. (laughs) Any other teams that you follow or a fan of? Chiefs. Chiefs. All right. Austin's a Chiefs fan. All right. They're they're the main uh, competition for my Broncos there, Austin. (laughs) Um. Well, of course, and then there's those of you who could care less about football. (laughs) I won't ask for a raise of hands. Now, come on. We don't need a raise of hands on that. (laughs) But what is the difference between being a fan of someone or something and being a follower? As the message title mentions, we are looking uh, this morning at what it means to be a devoted follower of Jesus. And, you know, that, of course, is something that matters more than anything we may follow in this world as a, a fan of, of this or that. 
And the Apostle Paul really, as we've seen throughout these weeks, is a great example of what being a devoted... Oh, I forgot to put the logos up there. In case any of you forgot who you're a fan of. There you, there you go. <laughs> Paul's a great example of what being a devoted follower of Jesus is all about. Uh, we have seen a lot of that in Colossians here, but we really see it throughout the New Testament as we read it. He wasn't just a fan of Jesus and the good news. He was devoted to Jesus and the good news. Even to the point that he spent many days and nights in jail because he was trying to tell others about it. It makes us ask ourselves the important question. How devoted am I to Jesus, to my faith, and his church? Am I living life with just a little bit of Jesus thrown into it, as I mentioned last Sunday in the message? Or am I all in and treating my faith as the most important thing in my life? It reminds me of a book that Kyle Edelman wrote some years ago or some years back that was simply titled, Not a Fan. And... He writes this in his book. He says, The biggest threat to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. Well, his book goes on to, to challenge Christians to think about what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. Are we devoted to Him? Or are we just a fan? I guess that word comes up today because Paul uses it here in verse 2. As well as, of course, showing us what a devoted life really looks like. He starts by encouraging the church to be Devoted to prayer, to being watchful, and to being thankful. And so maybe it would be helpful for us if we first talked about the word devoted and how it's defined in the English language. It's a very simple definition, really. And it says, very loving and loyal to someone or something. Now, if we, if we take that into the Bible, biblically speaking, Acts 2, verse 42, uh, we see the Greek word for devoted, which there is translated to mean steadfastly attentive to someone or something, or to give unremitting care to someone or something. This is how the fans and the true followers of Jesus begin to be distinguished in the New Testament. And you know, even some 2,000 years later, now, that still seems to be the case. When we think of our um, identity with Christ, you know, is it because of the benefits that we call ourselves Christians? Maybe it makes yourself sound like, makes your name sound better. 
It maybe in some cases gives you a better chance of getting a job. Maybe a, a certain group of friends. Maybe it makes your parents happy. Or is it because of our desire to give our lives fully to Jesus because we have identified him as the Lord of our lives? There's a big difference there because when the crowd of popular opinion begins to turn on Jesus and the fans begin to, you know, fall away, it gets a little dangerous for those who stay in the game. And as Paul can rightly testify, he saw a lot of that in his own life. As I mentioned, you know, he was in prison, he he was persecuted in many ways. And so we start to see what Jesus means in Matthew 16 when he talks about taking up our cross and following him. Jesus said this. He said, if anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That is what true devotion looks like. I like what uh, Craig Rochelle said one time. He said, Jesus never asked us to sit on the sidelines and cheer for his cause. And so this morning, let's think about several areas of devotion. Of course, we've already talked about devotion to Jesus and and his as his followers. What about Paul's call here to be devoted to prayer. How committed are we to a prayer life that is persistent in taking time to pray in our busy lives these days? You know, does it happen more than just before we sit down to eat a meal? Does it happen... With your spouse or with your family at other times? Do you spend time in prayer with the Lord just by yourself, alone? Some of these questions were asked on uh, the recent church survey that we did from Ivana, and many of you filled that out. And while we do fairly well, or we did fairly well in the survey with prayer, Of course, there's always room to grow in in that area. So perhaps we could uh, all ask ourselves how we could be more devoted to prayer. Or how we could make prayer a more important part of our everyday life. You know, we pray quite a bit. We get together here on Sunday mornings for worship. But how does that extend into the rest of your week? When we think of prayer, you know, we ought, a lot of times we'll, we'll pray when an emergency situation arises. But we really need to keep prayer as a vital part of our daily lives. I read an article this week about uh, lean manufacturing, or as sometimes it's referred to, just-in-time manufacturing. 
And uh, what that is, it's a production method that tries to match production and demand by only supplying goods that have already been ordered instead of, you know, stockpiling a lot of resources. That's really a short, very basic description of that. And, you know, that may work great for some in manufacturing, but that doesn't work well in your prayer life. You know, we don't want to only go to the Lord in prayer when we have those greatest hours or greatest times of need. We want the Lord to be helping us with our life at all times. And so prayer needs to be a constant, active thing. And and being devoted to a life of prayer means that we are that. That we're persistent. That we are dedicated to times of prayer to God each and every day. Another thing that Paul encourages with his life is being devoted to sharing the good news with others. In verse 3 here, he talks about proclaiming the mystery of Christ. Of Christ, He asked the church to pray that he might proclaim it clearly. But it also is clear that we are to be sharing it as well. In verse 5, kind of reflects back to what we looked at last Sunday in how we are to do that, especially with unbelievers. He says that we're to be wise in the way that we act towards them. You remember last week, we talked about clothing ourselves in compassion and kindness and humility and so on. In these verses, Paul also mentions grace as an important part of that. And then this encouragement that we shouldn't let any opportunity pass us by when God gives it to us. I'm going to go back to that church survey that we did. One of the questions was this. How often do you talk about God with unbelievers? Seldom and occasionally came in a lot higher than frequently. (laughs) Um, So we probably have some room to grow there, I would say. Another question was, how often do you invite someone to church? Now that one was was more encouraging, but it still left room for us to improve and to grow. You see, if we are devoted to our faith, and if we are devoted to sharing the good news, then those things should be important to us. If you talk to someone about Jesus or if you, you know, invite them to church, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to uh, engage with you or accept the invitation. But at least you made the most of that opportunity, like Paul is saying here. The the full results of that church survey, by the way, are going to be shared at our next congregational meeting, which is on September 10. So you'll hear more about that then if you come to that that meeting but an important part of being devoted to following Jesus is sharing the good news with others as Paul says here let your conversations be always full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone 
I think that sometimes is a stumbling block for a lot of people. You're, you know, we fear that we're going to have to have the answer to every single question that they come up with about Jesus, about our faith, about the Bible. Let me calm your fears and tell you, you don't have to know the answer to everything. You, you just have to know what you believe and how that changes your life and how it changes the way that you view the world. In fact, you know, if you're honest and you tell someone um, that you don't know the answer to a certain question that they ask, then they are probably going to believe you even more because they know that, that you're being honest with them. Full of grace, seasoned with salt, and trust the Holy Spirit to help you give, the word, give you the words as well to say. The Bible's clear that if we trust in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit will give us the words to say and how to say it. I thought about just reading through verse 6 here and leaving out all of these final greetings in uh, verses 7 through 18. You know, then I wouldn't have had to pronounce all those difficult names. <laughs> but then I realized how important those verses actually are. You know, it shows that another part of being a devoted follower of Jesus is being devoted to each other as well. And you see that devotion there in, in those verses. You know, tell this brother this, this good news. Um, such and such sends his greetings to you. He says, Epaphras is always praying for you. And Luke and Demas, they also send their, their greetings. So you see these, these verses show the importance of the body of Christ in our lives. Not only are we to worship together and pray together and grow together and fellowship together, but we are to be there for each other when life is hard and life is difficult. That's why small groups are so important in the church. You see, it, it brings people Together in a smaller setting in which they can become closer and get to know each other on a deeper level than just gathering here in the sanctuary for worship once a week. There's a story that was told about a couple who uh, was entering retirement. Uh, you know, their kids were long grown up and out of the house, and it was just the two of them, and so... Um, they decided that they were going to take six months to a year and they were going to just set out across the U.S. in their RV and see some of the wonderful sights around uh, the United States. Sounds like a great time, doesn't it? And it was for them for a while. <laughs> um, after several months, they started to sense that something was missing besides their kids and their grandkids and their house. And the jobs that they had retired from. They missed their community. They missed their church. They missed the fellowship they had with others. And, you know, they said the one thing that they realized 
from that time was the importance of having other people in their life. And I think we all realized that recently when we went through the pandemic and all that that brought upon us. I know that that Rhonda and I, we realized that last summer when we were on sabbatical. We need each other. When you know someone better and, you know, you know their story, you know their life experiences, their challenges that they have in life. You see, you become devoted to them as a follower of Jesus and the extended body of Christ, which we call the church, of course. That's why Jesus started the church with a group of 12 And he encouraged us to be disciples together as well. And, you know, as we think about why Paul wrote this letter to the Colossian church, we realize that his main message was that Jesus and our faith in God should be placed above everything else in our life. We also realize that that we can have confidence in our faith In Christ, so that we don't have to add anything to it. It's enough. It's more than enough, really. As I mentioned in the first message or two when we started this series, you know, the church in Colossae, they were they were trying to find God in all of these other philosophies and 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 things like that. And all they needed was the one Jesus that they already had. And that happens in churches a lot, even today. Or sometimes in the spiritual lives of just individual people. They believe in Jesus, but they feel like they need to add all of these other things to the mix. You know, Jesus just has that one seat at the table, but then there's all these other things to go with it. So many people, even some Christians, are living life with just a a little bit of Jesus thrown in. They might say, I'm a Christian. You know, I'm a follower of Jesus. But it's not my main focus in life. That's what we need to guard against. It needs to be our main focus in life. We need to be devoted followers of Jesus, not just fair weather fans. We need to find confidence in our faith and in our salvation through Jesus to live our life in Him. Because not only is that going to benefit benefit us now in this life, but it will bless us for the rest of eternity in heaven. As I was reading uh, and studying about this this week, I, I kept thinking back to something that I refer to often when I'm doing a funeral or a memorial service. And it's those words of Jesus from his parable in Matthew 25, where it says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. And so I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Fellow believers, 
we should consider that line before our funeral arrives. It points toward a person who is devoted to God and to Jesus and their faith. A person who is devoted to prayer, to sharing the good news with others, and to the church, to each other, the body of Christ. And so I hope as we, you know, as we end this book of Colossians, we will consider the life of Paul and, and how his example can help us to become better and devoted followers of Jesus. And if you're, if you're out here this morning or watching online and you feel like you are a devoted follower of Jesus, that you're already fairly devoted, ask yourself, how can I grow in that devotion? You know, we're never all the way there. We're always growing and learning. And so, if you feel like you're devoted already, ask yourself, what could I do to become more devoted to Jesus in the days ahead? Let's grow together. Let's be devoted together as the church. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's stand together. We'll go to the Lord in prayer. And then we're going to sing that song that we heard at the first in the video. I've decided to follow Jesus. Our Father in heaven, may your name be praised. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we worship you today in reverence and in awe because of who you are. We are blessed that you call us your people. And Lord, we, we help us, Lord, to listen to you and to follow you with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Help our lives to be devoted to the ways of God, to, to the example of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit so that others might, might see you in us. Lord, help us to grow in our devotion and commitment so that then when we stand before you in heaven, we can hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Go with us from this place now, Lord, this time of worship, and, and send us out into this world with your good news of hope and salvation. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.